Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host, and I wish you out there a very Merry Christmas on this Christmas Eve. As many of you may have uh, clued in by listening to the podcast over the years, I'm a big fan of Charles Dickens. And Charles Dickens wrote five Christmas novellas in his time. The first I shared last year was A Christmas Carol, and that was his first Christmas book, and it became a five-part series, which had become known as the Christmas novellas. And that was released in 1843. And then in 1844, he released his second novella called The Chimes. And the third one was released on December 20th, 1845. He began writing it in October. And like all of Dickens' Christmas books, it was published in a book form, not as a serial like his other novels had been. And this book was called The Cricket on the Hearth. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the history of this book today and also share with you a live radio broadcast performing The Cricket on the Hearth in 1945. So come along and join me. So in July of 1845, Dickens contemplated forming a periodical, which was how many of his novels were released in periodic installments in various magazines. And he was thinking about doing a periodical focusing on the concerns of the home. And it was called The Cricket. But the plan kind of fell through and he transformed his idea into a Christmas book in which he abandoned the social criticism and current events and topical themes in favor of a simple fantasy with a domestic setting for his hero's redemption. So he began writing it on the 17th of October, 1845, and he finished it by December 1st. And the book was illustrated beautifully like his other two books prior on the Christmas collection. If you look at the original copies or illustrations of the Christmas Carol, you can see some examples of that and also in in the chimes. So this was his standard for his Christmas novellas. And this novella was criticized a little bit for its over-sentimentality, but contemporary readers of the time were attracted to it as it depicted the Victorian ideal of the happy home. So it became popular despite the critics. And like A Christmas Carol, it has been performed live in many performances since it was originally released. And the book was a huge commercial success in its time, going through the first two editions really rapidly. And as I said before, there's been several stage adaptions of The Cricket on the Hearth over the many years. And there was also two movies. There was a film in 1909 and another film in 1923. And then in 1967, there was a 50-minute animated television adaption of the story on NBC. And there's been other radio adaptions over the many years and that sort of thing. So I'm going to share with you today a radio presentation that was done in 1945, 100 years after Dickens published this novella at Christmas time. And the connection to Southwest Michigan is that during the Victorian era, Dickens' novels and writings were very popular all over the place, all over Michigan, and it shows up in many newspapers of the time. So sit back and enjoy The Cricket on the Hearth by Charles Dickens. The Cricket on the Hearth. The National Broadcasting Company presents Charles Dickens' immortal Christmas story, The Cricket on the Hearth.
old Caleb Plummer and his blind daughter lived all alone by themselves in a little cracked nutshell of a wooden house. And what a miserable little place it was. But under its crazy little roof lived the man who did the work which made Gruff and Tackleton famous. You see, Gruff and Tackleton sold toys, and it was Caleb Plummer who made them. Yes, Caleb Plummer made toys and lived in his shabby little house, while Gruff and Tackleton became the largest toy merchants in all England. And so, even on the night before Christmas, Caleb Plummer sat in the toy shop, carving away industriously at some last-minute animal. Then, uh, just a shade more off the flanks, a little curve to the horns, and you'll be the finest little ox to go into the ark. Be a good little ox. Keep warm. Make somebody happy tomorrow for Christmas. I'm coming. Just a moment. Oh, Mr. Tackleton. Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Tackleton. Eh? What's that? Merry Christmas to you, sir. The best you've ever had. Christmas? Oh, that. I didn't come here to talk about Christmas, Plummer. Don't believe in it. Have no use for it except in a business way. What about those orders? Have you finished the jack-in-the-box? Yes, sir. Here it is. Look. Ah! Oh, oh, take it away. Horrible thing. The children love them, sir. Ah, the children. Don't mention their names to me. I spent my life making toys for them. I'm sick of children. Sick of toys. Let's hear no more about it. What of the ark? I just put the last animal inside. It's ready to go now. How about Noah? Up in front on the deck. See him? And here at the window is Noah's wife. See, through this porthole. All right, all right. Just so you've got them. Well, you can run along now, Plummer. You won't need me any more tonight, then? No, but come in a little earlier tomorrow morning to make up for it. But tomorrow is Christmas, sir. Well, what of it? But on Christmas, surely you don't mean it. Surely I do mean it. Have you forgotten your place, Mr. Plummer? If you feel the need of taking Christmas off, why, there are a hundred good toy makers in London who would be glad to take your place. Why, sir, they'd fight for the chance. You mean you'd dismiss me if I didn't come in tomorrow? That's right, Plummer. Out you go, just like that. But my daughter... She's your daughter, not mine. I can't stop business just because you've got a daughter and she's blind. Business is a thing which doesn't wait for Christmas or your daughter or anything else. Now, will you or won't you be in tomorrow? I'll be in, sir. And an hour earlier, too. Yes, sir. Please, sir, if you could advance me a little, oh, just a little, on next week's pay. Advance you? What about last week's pay? Have you squandered it already? No, sir. It went for food. And for canvas to tack up over the ceiling. And what's wrong with the ceiling? There are holes in places. The snow drifts in at night sometimes, so we just thought we'd buy canvas and not trouble you with our silly problem. Yeah. So, you see, our money, it 
didn't quite stretch and... Well? Well, what? Speak up, plumber. Well, it's gone, sir. Are you without food? No, sir, but... Uh, you have wood for the stove? Yes, sir. A sufficient covering for the bed? Yes, sir. In other words, you're asking me for money when you already have food, warmth, and a bed to lie in? Plumber, that's downright greed. As for the advance, no. You spent your past wages, now you must wait until next week. You must learn thrift. But could you... Only a few pence, that's all. She's blind, sir. All alone in the house, all day. In the dark, all alone. Uh, Nothing to live for but her father's footstep on the stairs. Please, sir, a tree would mean so much to her. I'm sorry, Plumber. There's no good working on my sentiment. I'm determined to teach you a lesson, and teach you I shall, even though it hurts me to do so. Good night, Plumber. And remember, one hour earlier tomorrow morning, Christmas or no Christmas. Caleb Plummer walked home very slowly that night. The only sad and dismal figure on the crowded street. Everywhere else, there was Christmas. The whole street was alive and warm with the joy of Christmas. You could hear it in the laughter of their voices as they shouted back and forth. Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas to you, sir! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Harry! Merry Christmas, Harry! You could see Christmas in the small boys and girls. They stood before the greengrocer's window and stared with round eyes at the things inside. Look at that turkey. Would you look at that turkey? Oh, he's the biggest turkey I ever saw. Well, he's not the biggest, but he's almost the biggest. The one Grandma had last year was the biggest. It was not. The wings on this one are bigger. They are not. They are so. They are not. They are so. You could see Christmas in the shops. They were crammed full of it, bursting with it. Christmas overflowed from their cheerful interiors like stuffing from a roast fowl. There were mince pies on the counters with a sprig of holly stuck in each one and baked ham stuck full of cloves like huge red pincushions. And all of it together, breathing the warmth and cheer of Christmas morrow. Everywhere there was Christmas. Everywhere except in the heart of Caleb Plummer. He walked around the square, scarcely looking in the shops, scarcely aware of the crowds that jostled against him. He just plodded along, very tired, very old, very much alone. And then... Almost before he knew it, he was home. Father, it's you. For a moment, I didn't recognize your step. That was so, so different. You must be tired tonight. Tired? What a silly girl you are. Your father's much too young a man to grow tired. How was the day, Mary? Oh, not too long. I sewed doll dresses all morning. And then this afternoon, I, I put shoe button eyes on the animals. If it were only as easy to... To put eyes on me. That's what you were going to say, wasn't it? Sometimes I wish I could, too. Just look at the world through shoe button eyes. 
Well, it really doesn't matter too much. I have my own world here. It's a kind and comfortable world. Perhaps that's because I've always seen it through your eyes. Do you mean that, Mary? Yes. But all the same, you do want to see, don't you? Oh, sometimes, yes. When I'm alone here, and the clock ticks, and the darkness is all over. Times like that... If it weren't for the cricket, I don't think I could... Is he still here? Oh, yes. And he still chirps away? All the time. He keeps me from being lonely. They say it's luck, Mary. To have a cricket on the hearth is the luckiest thing in the world. Father, is anything wrong? You seem so quiet tonight. And you speak strangely. Oh, not a thing, girl, not a thing. A hard day at the shop, but that's all. Well, that's not the real reason, Father. But now I know what it is. What? Without asking, I, I know there's a fir tree in the room. Your step didn't have its usual lightness tonight, and that's what you were carrying. You even set it down without my hearing it. It's true, isn't it, Father? Yes, it's true, Mary. Oh, where is it? Let me feel its branches. Oh, it's, uh, it's in the far corner of the room, right near the window where it's cool. Oh, lead me over to it, Father. No, not tonight. Tomorrow morning, get in early. Oh, on Christmas morning. That's when a tree should first be discovered. Oh, but, but can I even touch it? Tomorrow morning, yes. Oh, then, then see it for me now. What does it look like? It's a young tree, dark and bushy, with its branches curving up to heaven. The cones on it are tiny and dry, and there's still a few snowflakes left in the branches. It's a Christmas tree, Mary, so small so filled with greenness and life that the Christ child himself might have blessed it and sent it here to us. It's a Christmas tree such as you've never dreamed of. And so, on that Christmas Eve, Mary dreamed of a small fir tree with bright berries of holly entwined in its branches. She dreamed of snow and the jingling of sleigh bells, and she saw the Yule log burn cheerfully in the fireplace. She heard the chestnuts pop and crackle, and from somewhere on the hearth, she even heard the voice of her merry friend, the cricket. Outside, the church bells rang and pealed and reverberated over the white roofs of London. And inside, the cricket chirped as though he too would add his bit of praise to that of the bells. Lying there on his cot, shivering in the coldness of the room, Caleb Plummer closed his eyes. In the silence of his heart, he spoke as though to a friend. Don't let her find out now, dear Lord. She doesn't have to know that I am an old man. And that it's a hovel here. She doesn't have to know that. I've given her another world. <laughs> 
Maybe it's a make-believe one, but it's real to her. That's why I say, Lord, please keep it that way for her. Don't let her find out. I believe if you set a tree down in that corner tonight, it would be there tomorrow. It really would, Lord, and I believe it. Please make a miracle. Please let a tree be there when she wakes up tomorrow. Caleb Plummer fell asleep, believing in a miracle. And the cricket began to chirp again, and his song was like a blessing to the room. But in another quarter of the city, Tackleton slept. To say that he slept is perhaps a whimsical way to put it. His body slept, but his mind, ah, that was a different thing. Dream after dream succeeded each other in rapid sequence. One minute he was jumping from star to star, like someone crossing a river on stones. And the next moment, he had missed one of the stars and dropped like a plummet back to earth again. Tackleton had nightmares. Tackleton had a whole year of nightmares rolled into one. Somewhere past the hour of four, the nightmares quit galloping about and went off to their stables. And peace came at last to poor Tackleton's brains. But only for a moment. Because the next thing he knew, the covers whisked from his bed. An invisible force propelled him violently to a chair. Something pushed him down hard. And this is what happened to Tackleton. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. The court is now in session. Quiet. Quiet, I say. Quiet, order in the courtroom. I am Noah. I am captain of this ark. I want no more interruptions from any of you. Now. Now to the prisoner Tackleton. Who's for the defense? Come now. Who's for the prisoner Tackleton? What do you say, Captain Kidd? Uh, not me, Captain Noah. And not any of us dolls here. I'm for hoisting them to the yard of myself. How about the rest of us? Quiet. Quiet, I say. Quiet. Captain Kidd, this is an English court, sir. And the principles of law and order will be obeyed. Now, who will defend the prisoner Tackleton? No one? Then the prisoner must defend himself. Tackleton, rise to your feet and face the courtroom. What do you see before you, sir? Animals, birds, toys of all sorts, your worship. That's quite right, Tackleton. Toys. You've been selling us for years. Now we've come to try you. What is the man who makes us? I don't know. Where is he? Home. Is it a good home? Yes, yes, a very good home. <laughs> and food. 
Does he have enough to eat? Oh, yes, I pay him bountifully. <laughs> and his daughter? Is she well provided for? Oh, yes, Your Worship. She's blind. And I want her to have the best of everything. <laughs> In short, you are a good employer. You take care of this man well. Yes, Your Worship. He lives like a prince. Order in the court. Order, I say. Order. Prisoner. Listen to your perjury thrown back at your teeth. Bailiff. Bring forward the detective, Christopher Dogberry. Christopher Dogberry. You were the paid agent of the assembled toys, yeah? Yes, Your Honor. Tell us about your findings in this case. Well, in the first place, the prisoner here is a downright liar. Order! Order! Go on with the story, Dogberry, and please refrain from indulging in personalities. Sorry, Your Honor. Well, I've been snooping around. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, investigating said house of Caleb Plummer. And, sir, if you'll pardon my saying it... It's an owl that no self-respecting rat would live in. But there's one wonderful thing about it, sir, and it's this. That girl, she don't know nothing about how bad it is. No eyes to see with. She believes what he tells her. And it seems to me, sir, he's done with her what he's done with us. Out of an old block of wood, he's made the forms of all of us. And out of a sad and dirty world, he's given her a world for a fine lady to live in. Silence! Order! Order, I say! Prisoner, you've heard the testimony. Is it true or false? Uh, it's... It's true. You will confess to each and every crime? Yes, yes, but...
And when Tackleton woke up, he was sitting in his bedroom chair, weeping and laughing and shivering with the clear Christmas air that filled the room. Tackleton went to the window and looked out. Never, never before had the world looked so bright, so cheerful, so filled with hope and promise. When he remembered Caleb Plummer, he scurried across the room to his wardrobe closet and began frantically to dress himself. But still early yet, he hurried he still would have time. If only his fingers wouldn't fumble so with the buttons, and if only his hands wouldn't shake so much. He almost tumbled down the stairway in his eagerness to get to the shop. And here is how a miracle came to pass. Hello, hello there, storekeeper. Chestnuts, fruit, pies, tarts. Bother the price. Baskets full. Yes, pile of iron. The best of everything. Holly, mistletoe. Yes, yes, and there it is, the very thing. A little fir tree. I want some hams, those little ones. And a turkey, the biggest, fattest one you have. the snow-covered streets, through the half-light of early morning, Mr. Tackleton hurried, his arms laden with gifts. And later that morning, when Caleb Plummer awoke, he found that the miracle he'd prayed for had come to pass. But whether it was the prayer, or whether it was the surprising Mr. Tackleton, or whether it was the cricket singing so merrily on the hearth, he couldn't say. All he knew was that a miracle had happened and that the cricket was the first thing he had heard when he woke up. But then he found a note, a few brief words pinned to the coverlet of his bed. Take the day off. The note was signed with the single word, Tackleton. Quickly, Caleb Plummer stepped across the room to his daughter's cot and wakened her. Mary! Mary, it's Christmas morning. Hear the bells. I hear them. Oh, Father, the tree. Can I discover it now? Let me lead you there. Here, take my hand. And the thing you'll find under it. Mary, remember what I said yesterday? A cricket on the hearth is the luckiest thing in the world. And so our story ends with the chirping of the cricket. May his joyous Christmas carol bring luck to your heart too, so that all of us may one day sing it as he so cheerfully does. Peace on earth, goodwill to men.
So I hope you enjoyed that presentation by NBC Radio way back in the day in 1945. This recording is in the public use space and it was used with fair use. And to everyone out there who's been following Tales of Southwest Michigan Past all year long, or if you're just joining me and this is your first episode, I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. If you'd like to reach out to me, as always, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a rating or review on whatever app that you've been listening on. And so we're coming up on Season 3 very soon, and I'll have some more announcements on the format for Season 3 in the coming week. And until then, have a very happy holiday season and a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening, and until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday, stay warm out there, and Merry Christmas. (laughs) ¶¶